Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today I am interviewing Allison Akins, who is a seventh generation dairy farmer up in Libson, New York. She is talking to us today all about farming and family, and I can't wait for you to listen to her episode. But before we get to Allison's episode, I have some exciting news to share with you. So like I mentioned in last week's episode with Hannah, it is Dairy Month, June. So in honor of all of you hardworking dairy farmers out there, I decided that I'm going to release bonus episodes. That's right. I said it more episodes. So all weekend long from June 28th through 30th, I will be releasing more dairy good podcasts. Do you get it? Dairy for dairy month. Dairy good. I know. Cheesy joke, right? All right. So I have a brand new podcast episode for you coming out tomorrow. So make sure that you are subscribed to the Rural Woman podcast wherever you listen so you don't miss a minute of it. I am so excited for you to hear Allison's episode. So let's get to it. Here's Allison. Hey, Allison, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I am so good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. I am so excited to talk to you and get to know your story. Awesome. Thank you so much. It, this this podcast has been so cool to hear everyone's different stories and how we each have our own part. So thank you so much for doing this. Hey, it is my pleasure. So Allison, I know you from Instagram at Five Mile Farm, but for the listeners who have not had the pleasure of meeting you yet, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from. Uh, So my name is Allison. I am a seventh generation dairy farmer from Lisbon, New York. So we are right up on the Canadian border. Uh, So I'm right about an hour um, from Ottawa, Ontario, and about two and a half hours north of Uh, Syracuse, New York. So truly, you can see Canada from my backyard. I love it. So cool. Um, My favorite thing growing up was actually watching the boats on the St. Lawrence River. So absolutely beautiful country that we live in. My family has been dairy farming for almost 200 years, Uh, same location for the full amount of, you know, full time. And right now, we have three generations in ownership. So My grandfather, my dad, and brother are all in a partnership, and um, I'm still kind of in the in-between stage of either deciding to stay an employee or go into ownership or kind of diversify the farm in some way. And my grandmother is still very active in the farm. She is our lawns keeper, so she is always on her lawnmower. <laughs> um, she keeps everything neat and pristine. My grandfather, he is our truck driver. So he helps with all the crop work and he checks out who is coming and going on the farm. So if there is a salesman that comes on the farm, he's usually the first one to say, ah, you're worth it. I'll send you to Mark or Ryan, who is my dad or my brother. And um, if not, he usually says, oh, give me your card and, you know, we'll call you. So uh, he usually is the one that makes sure that 
you know, the people that are coming on the farm are, you know, worth our time. And uh, it's really great to have that middleman for us. Then my dad, he actually oversees everything on the farm. So he is the person that does the financials, a lot of the computer work, um, oversees a lot of the cow herdsman work. And then my mom is a local math teacher at her high school. So she teaches seventh grade and 11th grade math. Then my brother, he oversees a lot of the crop work, all the feeding. And um, again, he deals with a lot of the coming and going of the salesmen, the nutritionists, um, the vets, everything like that. And his wife, uh, Emma, she is a fourth grade teacher at another um, middle school in our town. So we have a lot of teachers and farmers in our family. And then I actually have a really unique job. So I work for our milk cooperative. So all of the milk from our family's farm is sent to be made into Cabot dairy products. So they're mainly known for their cheese. Um, we won the world's best cheddar uh, times, actually. We just won an award most recently with our five-year age cheddar, uh, so our centennial cheddar, which is really cool. You are definitely correct when you say there are a lot of farmers and a lot of teachers in your family. So what is your role when you are on the dairy farm? What are you helping out with? So when I'm on the farm, I do a lot of the um, calf work and crop work. So I love driving a dump truck. That is my favorite thing uh, in the summertime. We have quite a few fields that are probably about a five minute truck drive from our farm. So you get to see a lot of countryside, you get a lot of waves. Um, I think I've perfected my small town wave of the three fingers up, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, I also do what we call our herd health. So each week we have an ultrasound technician on our farm and we do preg checks, um, with the cows and anything to do with breeding, um, a lot of the heifer, heifers that we have on the farm. Um, We'll go through and breed them and just uh, check them where they are in their cycles and that stuff. So I do that once a week. um, And that's kind of my niche um, because we check about 150 cows each week. So it is a quite a big job on the farm. And, you know, one of the most important ones is making sure that, you know, our cows are happy and healthy so that's my uh, another one of my um, niches that I do on the farm. And then, of course, you have the unfun stuff like organizing the office and the phone calls and ordering the medicine and stuff like that that I do, too. Just because phone calls, sometimes they take 10 minutes, sometimes they take an hour and 10 minutes. Um, so I'm usually the one that has the most attention to really sit down and do that stuff and organize it all. And my other, um, my other job that I have, I actually work for a milk cooperative, uh, traveling up and down the East Coast, doing a lot of events with the consumers. So I do cheese, cheese tastings, some other really fun stuff. Specifically right now, I'm getting ready for a cooking show. Uh, so I'm going to be on a couple morning shows this weekend. 
uh, for a cooking segment and kind of telling them about dairy farming and that it's dairy month right now in June uh, and some things if they have any questions about, you know, real life farming and, and stuff like that, because Metro DC, they're relatively far away from any rural part of America and my hotel right now, I'm in uh, the Capitol Hill with a walking dis- distance of the National Mall. So it's really fun to get to have the conversations with people in the grocery stores around here, you know, prepping for the cooking segments and um, specifically the producers and everybody that's on the shows. Uh, they always they always have the coolest questions about farming and about where their food comes from. And that is by far one of the best things about my job is that I'm really bridging that gap between the farmer and the consumer. So they have a point person to ask those questions that they might not know how or where to be able to ask those to any other person. So yeah, that's basically my life in a nutshell. (laughs) So I've been traveling for them for about a year now. Um, And I have gone home here and there. I'm usually out on the road for about two weeks a month and then back home on the farm for the other two weeks. That's very cool. That's a very cool mix of being on the farm and hands-on with the cattle. And then you also get to see the consumer actually consuming your product and answering their questions. So question for you, what is the most common question from consumers to a dairy farmer in, well, for you, what are they asking you? So a lot of people, I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm young or female, probably a little bit of both, but a lot of people are like, they do that taken aback thing of like, yeah, I'm a dairy farmer. And they're like, wait, what? And then I have a book that I made with pictures and, you know, telling our farm story. And I'm like, yeah, there's pictures to prove it. Like I promise. Uh, So that has been one of the most shocking things about how many people still have that stereotype of a old guy in overalls (laughs) and that's what a farmer in their eyes is I'm like no that's that's not at all you know you have people with you know five chickens in their backyard and that's a farmer and you have people that you know grow cotton and that's a different you know farmer and you have dairy cows and you know ranchers and they're the definition of a farmer has evolved so much. So I think that people are just wanting to absorb all the information that they can get about, you know, where their food comes from and, you know, have that face to the name of products that are in grocery stores. Um, And then another really cool question that I get, most likely is from kids, but they're I've been asked so many times if brown cows make chocolate milk. And it breaks my heart so much that people still think that brown cows make chocolate milk. <laughs> and yeah, so it's always it's always the kids that ask that. So I can't hate on them too much. But um, <laughs> and that's one thing <laughs> that I can really teach uh, through this job is that no, brown cows do not make chocolate milk. Because if they did, Oh my goodness, I would have so many red and white Holsteins on my farm because chocolate milk. (laughs) (laughs) That is one thing that 
when I'm around kids and specifically my nephews. My brother is very guilty for saying cheesy things like that. He is well aware that chocolate milk does not come from brown cows, but he likes to tell his sons that. And (laughs) farmer auntie sets them straight. And I say, no, it does not. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And like, you can't hate on kids because, you know, there are so many you know, nursery rhymes or TV shows out there that really don't have the overview of what actually happens on a farm, correct? And I think that that's just from not having farmers really out there and telling our story as much as we really should be. Um, But every time I just want to get sarcastic and I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm a millionaire. (laughs) But (laughs) it doesn't quite work that way. (laughs) No. Well, and you never know if people are taking you seriously or not when you are being sarcastic. So it's always like, take it with a side of caution here. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's been a really fun job though. And, you know, it's, it's really cool to being from the farm perspective because we've been with um, Cabot for about 15 years now. So um, we have, do have a processing facility about 40 miles from our house And, um, so all of our milk is made into cheese and that cheese is generally sold throughout the entire country of the U S. So it's fun getting to go to visit friends in Arizona and then having Cabot cheese in their fridge. And I'm like, wait, that's so cool. And they're like, yeah, we buy it because we know, you know, it's a farmer owned cooperative and, you know, you specifically are one of the farmers that make the cheese. So we'll make the milk that gets made into the cheese. So it's really fun to have that whole story behind, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's, I, it's just such a fulfilling job to meet people and, have them say, wait, you're one of the dairy farmers that makes Cabot cheese. I love Cabot, you know, or, oh, I used to visit your visitor center um, back when I was a kid. And, you know, we vacationed in Vermont and we've known Cabot for so long. So having that reassurance of, you know, people do appreciate the products that we make and, you know, it's not, it's not, not necessarily a waste of our time, but It's just, again, so fulfilling to have, you know, that positive interaction every time that, you know, I'm out giving out cheese or, you know, at events and or even just wearing a Cabot shirt and having people say, hey, I know that cheese like that's an awesome cheese brand. Um, So we've been getting out and meeting the consumers has been um, great, especially as I'm, you know, transitioning back into the farm. Um, and kind of trying to find my way, knowing that marketing side that, you know, the the brand has been around for a hundred years, you know, what's it going to be like in another hundred? And I'm going to be a part of that. So it's been a really awesome um, outlook to have as a transition back into the farm full time. That's awesome. I always think of the the no like and trust factor, right? When you're looking at the products that you consume or the products that you're buying and if you can put a face to the name and obviously people are putting your face to Cabot Dairy, that's pretty cool. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I don't know if they, they want my face, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice face. <laughs> uh, so Allison, did you ever in your 
years growing up on the dairy think that you wanted to be anything but a dairy farmer? <laughs> um, short answer, yes. Um, I was that teenager that wanted nothing to do with the farm. It was the reason I couldn't hang out with friends on weekends. And, you know, I had to work before school and um, on weekends and in the summertime. And, you know, all my friends got to go, you know, party and, you know, stay out late. And I think it's just that generational thing of growing up with social media, like having that fear of missing out. And I really hated that. And um, so I wanted pretty much to get out, see the world, have experiences. And I did. Um, after university, I worked um, for almost two years off the farm for a finance company. Um, it was still in the agricultural world, but I basically was away from my farm full time. Um, I got to still be involved in conversations, but I wasn't involved in the decision making process. So I completely had a 180 of I was missing everything that was happening on my farm. And I wanted nothing to do with working in the corporate world of, um, you know, a nine to five job and really just missed the farm and the family aspect and that support system and that legacy that you had. So I decided to leave and go back to the farm. It was a really, I mean, it was a tough decision because it was a guaranteed paycheck every, you know, two weeks. And then I go back to the farm, move in with my parents and kind of have some freedom taken away um, to sit And My parents are wonderful. I thank them every day for, you know, really supporting me in that time of just being a 25 year old and not really knowing what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be and them just opening their doors and really supporting me through that. Um, I knew I wanted to be back on the farm, but I didn't necessarily want to be milking the cows every day, day in and day out, just because I really do enjoy working with people and going out and meeting the public and, you know, having um, conversations about dairy and about, you know, what happens on a farm, but I wanted to be home. So that's where this job with my milk cooperative started. And it was the perfect mix between getting to travel and meet people as well as getting to still work on the farm day in and day out. So it's been a wonderful transition and I'm really excited to see where my brother and I as the seventh generation really take the farm because we have a couple of opportunities and so many ideas in the works of what we want to do. And we've been blessed with a lot of options to be able to really diversify our business so when I was back in high school, probably 17 or 18, my dad had this crazy idea of planting sweet corn and the money that I made from the sweet, from selling the sweet corn was going to pay my way through college. And it did, uh, thankfully. And that's kind of grown into this, um, idea of mine of, I really love selling direct to the consumer so we still grow sweet corn. Um, we've downsized it a little bit. So I think we planted two acres this year 
and we're still going to sell it direct to the consumer. And it's going to be my little side project um, on the farm. And then I had this crazy idea. Well, if I'm going to do that in August, then I need something for September and October. So I planted uh, an acre of pumpkins. And my hmm, my idea of an acre of pumpkins, I'm like, oh, it won't be that much. I did not realize how many pumpkins you can actually plant in an acre. So uh, if anyone needs some pumpkins in upstate New York, I got it. <laughs> Call Allison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that has kind of been my segue into, okay, I think I want to, you know, still be involved in the farm, but kind of be on the outskirts of it. So, um, still having that middle ground of I'm not milking cows every day. I don't have to um, necessarily be in the big decision-making process. I'm, I, I love being a soundboard and I love knowing what's going on. Um, but that's just a lot of stress. And that's something that my dad and brother are wonderful at. They are great at managing, you know, our employees. They're wonderful with the animals. They're wonderful with the crop work. And I kind of like being on the outskirts of that and really zoning it, like honing into my pumpkins and sweet corn and, you know, the farm to table and selling direct to the consumer. So we've really been able to balance everything and still make it work. And I don't think that I would be able to have the sweet corn and the pumpkins without the dairy farm. So it is kind of still, I am on the farm, but I am doing a little bit different route than what my brother is doing, which I think is wonderful because if we both wanted the same exact thing, we thought the same exact way, we were the same exact people, I don't think that we'd be able to be as successful in the long run um, simply because this is a little bit different niche market and um, it's certainly a lot different than just our milk leaving the farm every day and, you know, us having the cheese in the grocery stores. So, uh, it's a little bit more hands-on and hopefully it works out. <laughs> um, not that I'm putting all my eggs in one basket, but um, if it doesn't work out, I'll figure something else out. And that's kind of the wonderful thing about having such a family support system that we do and um, having those opportunities to really say, okay, well, I'm going to go spend you know, $50 on pumpkin seeds and see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. But at least I tried. And if it does work out, I have so many ideas of what it's going to turn into. And, you know, my dad and brother kind of just roll their eyes and they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but uh, we really do work so well together as a family. And, you know, that's something that you won't get if you work off the farm. And I think I needed the couple of years off the farm to really realize how wonderful the farm life is and go with my gut and not be thinking the what ifs because that's never fun either. You never want to, you know, say, Oh, well I did this because I was forced to like my family encouraged me to do whatever I wanted to do. I mean, they're still doing it even though I'm changing my mind 10 times every other week. Um, so we've been very lucky to have such a wonderful soundboard between our family members and, um, having that diversity aspect of, you know, the farm to consumer um, and the farm to table 
message that we do on our farm and a wonderful local community that really understands agriculture. Because I think that's super important too, is that we have such an agricultural presence in our town that a lot of people are either farmers or they're teachers. And um, having that balance has been really great because the, you know, my mom was always home in the summer on the farm and we learned a lot from having, you know, our mom (laughs) in the same school that we were going into. We never really got into trouble and we never got out of line. So uh, having that really getting out and, you know, being, having that freedom has really told me, okay, going back to the farm is exactly what I want to do and um, feel good about that decision. That's great. I love this. I love your whole family scenario. And I love that there's so many of you. And it's just wonderful. In my family, I mean, so growing up, um, just to give you kind of a uh, our, my brother has, my dad has three siblings and, um, all of us pretty much, all of them lived in the same town. We all went to the same school. So after I, I was the youngest of, I think 12 cousins on the, on my dad's side. And I was the last Akins to graduate from my local high school since my, grandfather's siblings went back and like, I mean, I, I don't want to say their ages, but cause I know I'll be wrong, but I want to say there was something like almost, um, 60 or 70 years of an Aikens being in our, our local school. So it is very small town. I graduated with, I think 30 kids in my graduating class. Um, but it's been, it's been wonderful. It really has. And coming home is just so cool. It is. Very cool. So Allison, you get to talk to consumers face-to-face every day. So you are faced with their questions that they ask. And we already talked about one misconception that some consumers have about brown cows and chocolate milk. But what are some of the other common misconceptions in the dairy industry that are always in the forefront of your mind? Uh, I think the one thing that I really try to tell people is how much technology is involved in farming nowadays. I mean, not everybody has a ton of technology on their farm, but I would say a majority do. Something as simple as, you know, records on the computer or, you know, GPS and a tractor. Or, you know, every like on our farm, we have all of our cows tagged with um, RFID tags. So they're basically a computer system. As soon as they walk through the parlor, we know um, how much milk they're giving, how much time it's taking to milk out, uh, when their peak flow is, and um, their somatic cell count every time that they're milked. And so in our parlor, we have a 50 stall rotary parlor. So it's one of those big um, merry-go-rounds. Uh, where the cows walk on and then the floor moves in a big um, circle. So in each stall, there is a computer that is attached to that stall. And we can, we're so efficient that we can milk three times the amount of cows in one third of the amount of time as our old parlor. So granted, it was a huge investment, a lot of time and thinking and decision making on um, my dad and my dad and my brother. But the technology that it added allows us to be 
much better managers on the cow's end as well as the employee end. And uh, it gives us so much more information. I mean, we don't even know how to handle some of the information that it's taking us because then we get obsessed with it. We're like, okay, if we change, you know, this little aspect, can we save, you know, five minutes per milking? And, you know, it's awesome. And so many times people don't realize the technology and the efficiencies and the sustainability that comes with modern farming today. And as well as we reuse some of our water So our plate cooler um, that we cool the milk down with after it's milking, it has water going through it. It never touch. It only touches stainless steel, so it's completely clean, but it's technically gray water. So we'll actually reuse that in our hoses to wash down the floors. So it's not really going to, you know, a drain and going into our leach system, um, but we're reusing it for a second time to clean out our parlors. So um, we've been really happy with how that has really conserved a lot of our water that we use on the farm. And it also allows us to be better stewards of the land because we don't want to be drilling a well, you know, or tapping into a different um, water system every 10, 15 years. I mean, the well that we've had has I remember when we put it in, so it was probably almost 20 years that we've had the well. And I mean, that's just amazing. And having that conservation allows us to prepare and be better for the next generations and better for our town and um, better for even just the cost of it. So um, again, we are a business, so we do have to get our bottom line down as low as we can just to try to make money at the end of the day, but we also don't want to do that at the expense of our environment. And I think that that is another huge misconception that, you know, farmers don't necessarily know about the environment. It's like, well, it's the exact opposite. You know, we're doing everything we can to keep our environment and our land and our water usable for the next seven generations of our family. And yeah, so that's been really fun to explain to people (laughs) and, you know, people that understand the engineering or agricultural and, you know, tiny little aspects. I can go into so much more detail. And then there's a lot of people that their eyes just glaze over. So really judging people (laughs) on how much information they can retain uh, has been another huge uh, part of the job. (laughs) But yeah, so that's, I think that that's another misconception is that we don't have a lot of technology and advancements that um, really do, that we really do have on the farm. For sure. I think, well, and we go back to the stereotypes of what a farmer is and what a farmer used to be. We're not all in overall sitting with our bucket underneath our cow, milking the cow into the bucket, right? So, <laughs> Yeah. I don't even know if I could milk out a cow hand milking. I really don't think I could. I, I, it would I, take me forever. Right. I don't think I've personally ever tried, so... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend it either. And there and there are so many different ways to farm too. Like I don't want to say that, you know, the way that we farm is the best for everybody because it's not. But I appreciate, you know, the the diversity in modern day farming because I do need, you know, the small farmers that have um, you know, two or three cows in their backyard and they make their own cheese on their farm. 
I think that that is so cool. And we do need the farms that are, um, you know, in four or five different locations and they have a processing facility that makes fluid milk for Walmart or, you know, a big corporation like that. We, we do need those. We need the diversity and every, but the bottom line is everybody has to do their part to be stewards of the land to sustain, you know, our businesses and agriculture for the next generation and the next generation after that. And I think that that's the most important part. Yeah, absolutely. So another question for you about what is an important part. Why do you think it's important for people to share their story in agriculture? Oh, man, I love this question. I think that you're going to get a different answer for everybody, which I think is the coolest part about the question. But I personally love telling my story because it is so unique. And and that's not to be, you know, say I am, um, you know, doing it better or whatever, because I'm not there. I make so many mistakes. Just ask my dad and brother. I make a ton of mistakes that they're constantly correcting. But the, the benefit of me telling my story is that that one person that has a question, they can come talk to me. And I'm not going to say, oh, you know, I can't, that's a ridiculous question, or I can't believe you don't know that answer. Because I can do the same thing to them. I can ask them, like, wait, what do you mean that you can just jump on a subway and, you know, cross into another subway? Like, what? You know, and I think that there's so much ebb and flow between the farm and consumer that having an open table for people to ask me questions about my farm, about our cooperative, about, you know, living in rural America or even just traveling, you know, how, how can you be away from the farm? You know, oh, I've never gotten off my farm. Well, you know, I can be because I'm so lucky to have a wonderful family that will pick up for my, my slack when I'm away or, you know, when I'm home, I give them some time off or, you know, I can take over a job and they can do something else. So um, everybody has such a unique story that if they don't share it, they don't get to take pride in what they do. And everybody is very proud of what they do and the way that they do it. But getting to share it and having somebody else say, wow, this is awesome. It's like that little pat on the back and, you know, just tells you that the passion and the pride that you have is exactly what you're meant to be doing. And you don't have to second guess yourself. And, you know, yes, you're going to have one negative interaction. But for every negative interaction you have, there are thousands of positive interactions. There's interactions from people in agriculture, you know, the the ranchers out west, I don't know what they do. You know, we have beef cattle, but the way that we have beef cattle is completely different than the way that they have beef cattle. And um, it's funny, I had a question um, from somebody that was a rancher. They're like, I get so many dairy questions. I don't know the answers. And I'm like, well, I get so many beef questions and, you know, rotational grazing. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. (laughs) So uh, it is kind of funny, the networking that happens when you do share your story, even just between agriculture. And I did, uh, I had one um, girl that reached out to me. And I was so hesitant on answering her because she sent me like a three page long message um, about, you know, dairy farming and questions that I'm like, oh, goodness, if I answer these, 
I'm like, I wonder if she is one of those, um, I don't want to say crazy vegans because she wasn't, she was wonderful and super receptive, receptive. Um, but she, the way that she was answering them, I'm like, Oh gosh. Um, so, and I ended up having a wonderful conversation with her and again, it was just somebody, she was looking for somebody to reach out to. And I had never met her. She was from Florida. I'm from New York. And without sharing my story, I don't know if she would have necessarily gotten the information that she wanted to get. And I think that that's a huge part of, you know, farmers on social media and being that, you know, open-ended conversation. If you have questions, just ask them. But the moment that you do get mean towards me personally, I'm going to block you. I'm not, I'm not going to do that because I don't need negativity in my life. That's not the way that I want to live my life. And I'm sorry that you feel that way, but you want to reach that movable middle. Um, the people that do have those, those questions and they are genuinely concerned about where their food comes from and, you know, what does happen on a, a farm on a day-to-day basis. Um, so being able to, you know, talk to some of those people in the movable middle have been wonderful because they're all, they're all positive and you can always have a learning aspect from them. You can have a learning from me as the farmer of, Oh, I guess I didn't realize that you were concerned about that. And me being like, Oh no, that's, that's not what it is. That's, I can see why you think that that is what it is, but it's really not. Um, so having those conversations has wonderful of sharing our farm story And I, again, like I am always hesitant because I hate negative (laughs) interactions, but you know, I've, I've had few and far between and the thousands of positive ones have really been the reason why I do what I do. Well, and I think you're doing a great job sharing your farm story and just even your family's legacy, um, what you're doing by working for the cooperative and meeting consumers face to face, plus having a social media presence to talk about what actually happens on the dairy versus what you may see in the media. I think it's it's important and I think you're doing a great job. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. All right. My final question for you, Allison, is what is the most rewarding part of being a farmer for you? I think working side by side with my family. I don't think there is any other moment that I just stop and take it all in than when we're doing crop work and you have my brother in the chopper, my grandfather in a dump truck, my dad in the merger. And then me in a dump truck with my mom or my sister-in-law riding with any of us or delivering us food. And I think that that is above and beyond anything I could have imagined, Um, especially growing up in it. You really don't have an appreciation for it. But, you know, now it's just amazing that we have three generations you know, working together day in and day out and um, actually liking each other. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think that is by far my favorite thing about our family farm, that we all work together and we all have our own special projects, but we need each and every one of us to really survive at the end of the day. And that's definitely the coolest part and the most rewarding thing about my life in agriculture. 
I love it. It makes me so happy. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So for the listeners who would like to stay in contact with you or ask you about your brown cows and chocolate milk, um, <laughs> where can they contact you? Uh, the best way to reach me is actually on Instagram. Uh, so our farm page is at uh, the word five, so F-I-V-E underscore mile, M-I-L-E underscore farm. Um, and that is, I don't even know if I said that that's the name of our farm, uh, because we live on the five mile line road. So five mile farm on the five mile line road. <laughs> Makes um, sense. Yeah. So Instagram is definitely the best way to reach me. Um, if you do have any questions about our, you know, cooperative you can always check out um, lots of recipes and blogs about our farmers there at cabotcheese.com. So um, those two would be the best ways to get a hold of me or learn about our cheese. Yeah. I will put those both in the show notes so people can find you as well and learn about your cooperative. And I'm going to look up the delicious cheese recipes because I don't, (laughs) I don't think you can have a good recipe without cheese in it anyway. So. (laughs) Oh yeah. I highly, have you gotten into Instapot? Oh yeah. Yes, girl. Yes. (laughs) Okay. The, um, there's an Instapot mac and cheese that I can make in under 20 minutes. It is delicious. Highly recommend it. It is on our Cabot website. Um, but that's always my go-to for a quick dinner and it's really cheesy, but, um, I use some low fat cheese, like our, our 50% low fat to really like not feel like I am a pig when I sit down and eat half of the Instapot. <laughs> yeah, but that is that is my ultimate favorite recipe right now. Okay, I'm going to find that recipe and I'm also going to put that in the show notes so then people can okay. find that one easy. So. <laughs> well, it was so great chatting with you, Allison. It, I, I loved learning about your farm and your family dynamic and it was just a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. And again, thank you again for doing this podcast. I every episode, the moment it comes out, I listen to it and I love hearing everybody's story. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hey guys, it's me again. I just wanted to say thank you so much to this week's sponsor, Shop Wild Rose Farmer. You may be thinking, what? Shop Wild Rose Farmer is your shop. Well, yes, yes, it is. Proceeds from Shop Wild Rose Farmer go directly to supporting this podcast and making it possible. Consider purchasing an I Am Your Farmer t-shirt or even an I Am Your Rancher t-shirt. Check out the popular Wild Rose Farmer tank tops as well as sweatshirts, hoodies, and more. Members of the Wild Rose Farmer community receive a 20% off promo code for their first purchase from Shop Wild Rose Farmer. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com for more information. Thanks again for listening and supporting the Rural Woman Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.